So we're going to be right there in Luke chapter 6. I hope you'll take your Bible and turn there with me. Uh, Luke 6, about five verses there we're going to key in on. Uh, today, we're, as our members of our congregation know, we're reading through a one-word devotional book together, and the upcoming week, starting tomorrow, will be on mercy. In fact, you may have noticed that the section that we're in, in the book, has switched to a different theme, and it is Christian character. So, last five weeks... We've been talking about some, some big picture ideas. We talked about wrath and sin and uh, the nature of God a little bit. We, we, we just kind of big, big picture kind of things. But transitioning from that in our, in our reading, it, so in view of that, this is, this is the way we ought to read, I think, Scripture. In view of what we know to be true, how do we act? I mean, that's, that's a kind of a very biblical thing to do, right? We know this to be true, therefore... When I go to school or work or engaging with other people, my family or wherever, I take what I know to be true and I live a certain way. So in, uh, in, our, in our study today, we're going to key in on that word. Now, if you're not a member of our congregation or you're not reading the devotional book with us, that's, that's fine. It's not going to affect that at all. It's only that this is kind of part of an ongoing thing. So the next I think it's six, seven weeks in our readings, we're going to be focusing on Christian character, what a Christian ought to look like, what he or she ought to be, you know, in view of the fact that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the text, if you will, with me. I want to go back and read it again. These words probably sound familiar to you, even if you're not very familiar with the Bible or don't know a lot about Christianity. These are at least part of this. You know, you're pretty familiar with it. Coincidentally, and I'll say a little bit more about it this week, this was a text, or actually Matthew's account of this, another gospel, uh, was the keynote text at the National Prayer Breakfast this week. So I'm going to say more about that in, in a minute as we think about how to apply this. But this is pretty famous. I mean, this is like Christianity 101 stuff here. But it's very important. Sometimes we forget the basics. You know, sometimes we... We forget just the essential things about being a Christian. But anyway, Luke, Luke 6, let's read it. Follow along with me. I'm going to start reading in verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So I'm actually going to go at this in two stages. We're first of all going to look at the last phrase. He is merciful, basically, at the end of Luke 6, verse 36. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Let's talk about... Let's talk about God for a little bit. You know, this is the progression in, in the life of a Christian. This is who God is, therefore, this is who we ought to be. Of this text in Romans 5, 8, Paul is exploring the crucifixion of Jesus and thinking about how it applies to us, and he says that this is at the basis of it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We can be tempted to think that, you know, 
we're, now I know we wouldn't ever say this out loud and we, wouldn't, we would try not to think it, but we're probably tempted to a little bit. And that is that, you know, we're a little bit better than other folks. Um, we deserve the crucifixion a little bit better than others because we haven't done some of those really, really, really bad things. Whatever those really, really bad things are. We haven't done them. Yeah, we've messed up. Lapses of judgment. Done some things we shouldn't have done, but, you know, we weren't that bad. So we didn't need as much from God as some people need from God. We just need a little nudge here and there, right? Paul is... Paul would think that kind of thinking is anathema. In fact, if you read the first few chapters of Romans, you'll see it. He says over and over again, yeah, people out there in the world, they've messed up really badly. And you, who are supposed to be the insiders, you've messed up so badly as well. In fact, you're, you may even be guiltier because you had a better opportunity than other folks. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, that's Romans 3. Then it comes to Romans 5 and he says, lest, lest we think that, you know, we were pretty good on our own and then Jesus looked down on us, and, or God looked down on us, and he thought, you know, they don't need that much help. I'm going to die for those folks. While we were yet sinners, and what that means biblically speaking is, while we were yet shaking our fist in God's face and saying, I'm going to do it my way, That's, I'm going to be my own God, this is Adam and Eve, and the fruit over and over and over again, I'm going to be my own God, I'm going to be determine my own truth, I'm going to determine my own right and wrong, I'm going to do it my way. Paul says, while you were like that, Jesus died for you. While you were sinners, he died for you. It's very important for us to understand the basis of mercy. You know, if I think that I don't need, or if you think we don't need to extend mercy to people who don't like us or we don't like, we don't really understand the gospel. We don't really understand who God is. So you got texts like that over and over again. Christ died for us while we were sinners. You look in... uh, in Matthew 5, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. This is parallel to what we're studying today, but it's, it's in Luke. It's also in Matthew. You must be merciful as your heavenly Father <clears throat> is merciful. Just again and again, the Bible talks about this. This is who God is, and therefore you ought to be like this. God doesn't say, he did, God's not this God who sits up on this throne and he, he kind of dictates these edicts for us. You do this. You do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. The cosmic killjoy, the one who sets fences just because he can establishes parameters just, to, just so you don't get to do whatever you want to do. He's not that kind of dictatorial kind of being. But rather, this is the nature of God. This is who he is. This is, this is how he's acted toward you. you don't, we don't extend love, mercy, and kindness to other people in a vacuum. We do it because God has called us to be like that. That's who he is. If we divorce those two concepts, if we just think we've got to white-knuckle it and we've got to be nice when we don't want to be nice... Well, we're missing the boat. We may be able to do that a little while, but not for long because we're, we're separating it from the motivation, and the motivation comes from the nature of God. you got uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, this principle again. Be imitators of God. He goes on later in, his, in the verse, and he says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This is just a sample. They're all over the place. But the sample that illustrates an important point, when we're talking about Christian character, what we ought to do, what we ought not to do, who we ought to be, how we ought to treat people, it flows out of this connection that we have to God. He is the vine. We are the branches. Jesus Christ lived this way. Therefore, we ought to live this way. This has already been shared some this morning in, in Reggie's thoughts and our prayers uh, as well. The cross is God's expression 
of love. That's, I mean, that's, that's everybody, I guess everybody here knows that, right? That's the most beautiful expression of the love of God. When he was dying, when Jesus was dying on the cross, you remember what he said? He said seven things, but one of them was this. He said, Father, forgive them. Can you finish it? For they know not what they do. Can you imagine what that must have been like? We can't. We can think about it. There he was having been mistreated in ways that are unfathomable, the sinless Son of God, never violated the law. He never sinned. He never thought something he shouldn't have thought, never did something he shouldn't have done, never left, never left undone something that should have been done. And they treated him like a dog. And while he was dying... He looked down at that crowd who were, in that context, saying, what a joke. That's essentially what they were saying. He saved others. Can't save himself. He's not really. He's nothing special. Look at him. He's dying like every other person dies, just like everybody else. He looked down on that crowd, and he said, Father, forgive them. Biblical love is not done in what we don't do. Biblical mercy isn't simply withholding something from people who deserve something bad. God doesn't allow us to think about mercy in that, well, I didn't say what I wanted to say. That's not mercy. That's not love. Biblical love, mercy, and kindness is an active thing. It's doing something. It's saying something. It is standing up for the defenseless. It is speaking words of truth to those who are our enemies or who think they are our enemies or who maybe they, they stand for things that we believe and know to be wrong. Well, I'm getting ahead to the next part. But Jesus is saying throughout here, He's, he's directing... Because I struggle, we struggle with it. In fact, I think, I think this is one of the hardest thing, things God tells us to do is to extend an active, uh, an active mercy to our enemies. One of the most difficult things. It's, it's not so hard not to do bad things to them. I mean, sometimes it is, right? I mean, sometimes it's hard not to say the thing you so badly want to say. Sometimes it's hard not to do the thing that they really need. Man, they deserve it. That's one level of mercy. Jesus doesn't let us stop there. He says, you ramp that up a few hundred levels, and you extend love and mercy to those people aggressively, shamelessly, humbly. But it starts with our connection to the cross. You know, it starts with our connection to God. We know who He is. And if we don't know who He is or don't believe it really, we will flounder when it, when it comes. We'll just, we will fall way short of, of doing the, thing that, the hard thing. Because the hard thing can only be done when we recognize who He is and who He's called us to be. All right, so that's, that's really first of a two-part thing. Second part is pretty important. 
That is, Jesus says, okay, here it is. And I've kind of talked about this already. But the foundation of this is important. This is who God is, right? This is, this is what he does. This is what he says. This is, remember, he said this to Israel back in the Old Testament. He said, I didn't pick you because you were special. You weren't smarter than everybody else. You weren't better. I didn't pick you because you were so powerful, because you were so numerous. I didn't do that. I chose you. I chose you in spite of who you were. That's what he says to us. God saves us in spite of what we've done. And so when we believe that, Jesus says, therefore, you back up in the verse, but he says, therefore, be merciful. First part of this text that we read earlier is everybody, well, you look at the text, everybody, even Jesus calls calls them sinners, even sinners, even unbelievers. He's talking about those people who reject him. Everybody basically loves people who love them. That's not so hard. Uh, people, people you love, you know, people who, people who treat you well. You don't really learn about the depth of your Christian character and how you treat the people who are good to you, you know. We don't learn a whole lot about our character because everybody does that. That seems to be Jesus' point. You know, that's just something people do. It's a natural thing to do. Perfectly natural. Perfectly natural. But Jesus says, love your enemies. You know, um, in, our, in, our, in our text here, he says in verse 35, Love your enemies and do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward, your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the great, uh, ungrateful and the evil. He is unkind to the ungrateful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, because He is merciful. I linked something on Facebook a couple days ago about the prayer breakfast, and uh, I'd seen it on a friend, had posted a link to it and some comments, and I went then and got online. You can, I'd encourage you to do it. I think it lasts 11 minutes to the speech of a man named Arthur Brooks. He's a Harvard professor, conservative on social political issues. Uh, his background is in Catholicism, I believe. And he spoke to the group about this text, Matthew's version of it, Matthew 6. I'd, I'd urge you to go online. You watch it on C-SPAN, probably watch it in a bunch of different places. But 11 minutes long, his, his part of this prayer breakfast. And I found it fascinating because if there's a place, I think you'd agree with this, if there's a place that needs to hear a message like this from Jesus about loving your enemies, can you think of a better place than Washington, D.C.? Right now, at this particular point in our nation's history? So you might envision some eggshells up here that I'm going to walk on for a second. Tiptoeing here carefully. It is, uh, you know, it's an interesting time. And I know there's a tendency for us in our particular moment of history to think it is as it's never been and perhaps as it never will be again. That the, maybe the hatred and the division are worse than they've ever been. I don't know if that's true or not. I just know this. I know that we're in a point of time. We're at a point in time where there is so much, it seems to me, there's so much animosity and so much anger and so much contempt and derision and hate. You know, and a, and a lot of that is, is issuing from, you know, places of power, D.C., the division between parties. 
that extends outward from that and it affects people, of course. Just normal working people, not political people, but just people like us. When I watched Mr. Brooks' speech, I was fascinated and I was impressed by his courage, quite honestly, in that context with people on both political extremes, perhaps, in a setting who really, really needed to hear it. And he was willing to say it, speaking truth to power, you know. And it was fascinating to hear. He says, Mr. Brooks says in one part of his speech, he says, Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew didn't say tolerate your enemies. He said love your enemies. Love them. Answer hatred with love. And I know in a sense, there's, there's, no, no one's going to disagree with, with this. I know that. Nobody here, perhaps. Other people would, perhaps. But nobody here is going to disagree with this. I just want to urge us to take this seriously. We agree with it because Jesus said it. But agreeing with it and saying we agree with it, perhaps sometimes don't result in actually living this out. And, and it is the case that sometimes we as Christians are tempted to use the world's weapons to fight for what we perceive to be good, what may even be good. But we use the world's weapons to fight the battles for truth, you know, for good. And if we give in to the world and we start acting like worldly people, we've given up the fight. Because you cannot fight for good using those weapons. And if we follow Jesus, you know, we really follow Him, and we go to places we don't want to go, and we act in ways we don't want to act that go against what we really want to do, and it is so tempting, all of us are faced with it, to give in and let ourselves so be motivated by something closely resembling hatred and allow it to come through in our speech. We, we know we know what the world is like. The world says, that maybe not outwardly, but it seems to say with its actions often, hate your enemies, you know, get them back. Exact retribution on the people who've hurt you. That's what the world says to us today. And it is so easy to live like that because it feels good, doesn't it? I'm going to get them... I'm going to say what they need to hear. I'm standing for truth. But when we give in and act like the world acts, we are doing the truth a disservice. Because that's not what Jesus did, ever. He didn't ever do that. From the moment he was able to be aware of the world around him until the time that he died, he modeled for us what perfect love looks like, exhibited on the cross, especially when he said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He extended to the people who hated him love and mercy. So I think that this text, it, it applies certainly in every, every context, every historical moment, but I know it applies to us now. Where God is calling his people, us, us, you and me, in our public discourse, in our social media posts, in the way that we go about standing for what we believe in, to be characterized by mercy. God's instrument of change has always been and will always be love as it leads to kindness and mercy toward everyone, especially 
those who don't like us and those with whom we share fundamental and very important disagreements, right? That's Christianity in action. It is loving mercy. If anybody in the world, I'm a little biased, you know, I know that. But I believe if anybody's going to change the level of discourse in our society, it's going to be Jesus followers. You know? It's going to be people who follow him, who, 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 who use the weapons he used, who, who go around showing love and mercy when everybody else is showing contempt, who assumes the best about people, who assumes that just because people are, we believe, and with good reason, are wrong about something, whatever that thing is, that we don't assume that they at their very core are evil, but rather we assume that they are also seeking truth, just as we are, but having been led astray. The only way we'll ever lead people like that to Jesus, it's not through winning an argument, it's not through shouting loud, more loudly. It's not through being uh, cute in our words. It's not through being eloquent. It is through modeling a sacrificial love and mercy. That's, that's the way we're going to do it. And I believe the only people who are going to do that are people who've been saved by the grace of God and they have been motivated by the cross to live a different kind of life goes there, you know? Because people who haven't experienced that, how, how are they going to do it? How, how are people who haven't experienced the most awesome and the most beautiful kind of love ever and being the recipients of the grace of God that flowed through Calvary and coming to us in our rebellion and saving us in spite of what we've done, those are going to be, be the people who change the way we talk. And I believe, and I know you, I'm, I'm guessing maybe most, maybe all agree with this, that it is through the church, through God's called out people who are going to change all the stuff that's going on in the world. And we, you know, we get discouraged by it and we think, man, it's so bad and I hate this and I'm so angry at everything that's going on. But we've got to channel that and go back to the cross and from there we go to a place of mercy. If you're not a Christian this morning, oh man, it's such an awesome thing to be saved by Christ, you know? He, uh, he knows what you've done. <laughs> you, nobody else may know everything. Probably nobody else knows everything you've done. Doesn't matter, though. He knows. But you know what? He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He doesn't love you any less because of what you've done. In fact, he's running toward you. He's running toward you. You take a step toward him, and he will, uh, he will in, just overwhelm you with open arms. It's the God we serve, the God who expressed himself in love on the cross. And if you take that step, he will save you by his grace and mercy. And uh, as you're baptized into him, all your sins are washed away by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And God gives you his spirit. He lives within you. And he will walk with you from now until you get to experience what the world ought to be. <laughs> and that new heaven and earth that God has promised to all his people when this life is over. We invite you to accept Jesus Christ today. It's what a wonderful thing it is to be saved by him. And to be able to live, to try to live.
the kind of life He's called us to live. If you need to become a Christian, maybe you need to come back to Him today and ask for the prayers of God's people here. Uh, We'll do anything we can for you. Let's stand. Let's sing. If you need to come, please do.